This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Josh Heisman and New Hope Community Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. For more information, visit newhopechurchtn.org. Hey, we are, if you're, if you are first time in the church in a couple weeks or whatever it may be, we're in the middle of this rest area series that we've been doing. That's why we have worship the way we've been doing it. We've kind of stripped everything down and doing some of the songs in just a different way and just a more, more relaxed feel so that when you would come in, you would just, just, just oh, take a breath and just have a breather and all that in a moment. And so ironically, uh, I had a crazy busy week this week. Did any of you have crazy busy weeks? Yeah, and so I wasn't able to get all the things done that I normally get done during the week. Sometimes I meet with people, just try to help them in just whether it be counseling or whatever it may be, but uh, I had to postpone uh, one of the couples that I was to meet with, and I asked if they could just do it before the message this morning, and so if you would just bear with me, I'm just going to meet with them real quick. Is that okay? So you guys, yeah, come on up, Uh, and sorry we had to do this in front of everybody. Um, but anyway, I appreciate it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are good. Have a seat. Uh, so how are you doing? How are we doing? Well, that's a loaded question. As loaded as the diaper I had to change before we came here. Jack. What, Diane? He doesn't need to hear all of that. <laughs> sorry about that. Everybody. I'm so sorry. No, no, it, it's fine. I, actually, what's, uh, what's more interesting, your names are Jack and Diane? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. Kind of like the... Uh, the Little Diddy. About, about Jack, Jack and Diane. Diane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that's it, yeah. That's not original. That's not original. <laughs> okay, uh, sorry about that. Um, so what, uh, what brings you guys here today? What's going on? Well, everything is going on. I mean, everything. Yeah, the problem is there's never a time when nothing's going on. There's always something. We yeah. have three kids, and all of them have separate schedules. Yeah, I, I bet we can relate. So how does that affect you? Well, you know, at first... It was really no big deal, but we were kind of like a perfectly running engine, and mm-hmm. now I just feel like we're... Running out of gas. Exactly. Right. Um, I think we can relate to that. So why don't you tell me just what does a typical week for you guys look like? Okay, so on Monday nights, um, Becky has dance class, Michael has basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tuesday, I got my flag football night. Yes, and then I also volunteer at the shelter on Tuesdays. Wow. Yeah. Uh, which really messes up Taco Tuesday. What? Oh. <laughs> Listen, Pastor Josh, we could take you through every day of the week and uh-huh. list off 10 different things every single night, but to be honest with you, I think that might take a little long. We have a parent-teacher conference right after this. Right. I, well, I definitely, I definitely understand that. Um, but, I mean, I guess I asked the question because I'm, tr- I'm trying to get to the, uh, to the bottom of what your schedule looks like. When, when do you guys uh, find time to take a break, maybe rest or... Uh, or anything like Rest. You're kidding, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes I sleep at night. And it's hard for me to fit my naps in. I was kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, so I guess what's obvious is that you're in a very crazy season of life. And, and uh, so again, maybe to rephrase it, how does all this running and running and going and going nonstop, how does that affect you? Uh, maybe between you two, uh, how does it affect your relationship, moods, any of those kind of things? Um, and I usually get very annoyed. And I'm the one that's shouting orders at everyone. I'm actually shouting orders, and half the time our communication is all jacked up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, more specifically, like, how do you mean? Okay, so, you know, for example, we went furniture shopping the other day with the family. We need a new chair for our living room. And so we had one hour before, uh, between Michael's uh, soccer practice and Becky's recital, so I sped over to the store. Right. But 
The kids were screaming and fighting. Becky spilt her juice on the furniture. I put all of the kids in timeout. Mm-hmm. That didn't help because they were running around all the furniture in the store. I was so embarrassed. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even have time to look at the chair. Yeah. Yeah, and then I actually had to take Michael outside and spank him. You, you, spank, you spanked him? Why, would you do, why did you do that? Because I said I didn't like the lazy boy. You meant the, the chair. 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 Yes, yeah, the chair. Yeah. Uh, listen, if I may, it seems like you guys have plenty of stuff going on right now, plenty of activity, but there doesn't seem to be, it seems like nonstop. It's like there's no rhythm to your life right now. And, and so when there's no rhythm to your life, there's no rest. And then it's just chaos. What do you mean exactly? Well, let me... Let me <laughs> Yeah, right? Well, what I mean is, God designed life to have a rhythm to it. Uh, Basically, if you look around in all creation, uh, you can see different things where there's rhythm built into different things. There's, uh, like, let's take a song, for example. In music, that's that's a good way to to describe it. When you have a song that you like, a song usually starts in one place, and then it could go up, it it could go down, it could could even take a, a break. Uh, in fact, in music, there's notes that are on the sheet of paper, and uh, the musician who's playing the notes, there'll be a rest symbol that's built in where the musician has to stop and take a break. They take a breath so that they can start on with the song, and it can continue in that moment. So that's one example. Uh, another one, you, you said um, that you at one point were running like a, an engine, like a, everything was going great. Uh, well, even the best engines are built to need rest. They run out of gas. And, and so there's times when we have to refill an engine with gas. So like my car, for example, I, I know that I can usually make a tank of gas last for one week. So I fill up on Friday and I go throughout that week. And then I know that the next Friday will be the time when I need to fill it up again. So that's like a rhythm that's built into my life. It, it, it's when I know that my car is going to need to rest. And so I need to refill it on that day. So so anyway, you know, that, that's kind of how I, I do it, and, and uh, that's like my routine, you know? Does that make sense? I'm not sure I follow you. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to be straight, straight with you guys. Um, God designed rest to be a part of your life. You may not like it, but he built in this, what he calls the Sabbath. And he says to us in Scripture to remember to keep it holy. So what does that mean? When, holy, when something is holy, it means it's set apart. So we intentionally set aside this time of rest that God has created. So we put it over here. That means we don't schedule on it. That means we don't like put other things on top of it. That means we don't look for ways to like get rid of it. It's rest. And, and what God wants us to do is to build that into the rhythm of our lives so that when things are going, we, we know this is going to happen here, this is going to happen here, but we have rest built in there and it's a rhythm so that when we get to that point, it's really something that we can look forward to. And, and then maybe we won't feel so stressed. Yes. Yeah, so overloaded. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, resting is really hard. There's so much to be done. And there, yeah, and, and there always will be, right? But if God designed it and God created it this way, then I think it's probably best that Whoops. we follow. We got to go. We got a parent-teacher conference to get to. <laughs> Thank Thank you. Thanks again. Oh. Thank you so much. Well, okay. Is there any? All right. Tell the teacher I said hi. Does life, yeah, does life feel like that? 
Does life feel like that for you sometimes? Running from place to place? I can relate to Jack in that story, though. I, I, I usually find time to, build, to put my naps in there. Sarah's the only one who laughed at that one, but that's all right. No problem with that. Does anyone else have a problem fitting naps in? No problem at all. So today we are talking about rest and the rhythm of rest. Building it into your life as something that you can look forward to. You put it there on the schedule. You remember it and you keep it holy. Holy meaning set apart. And so scripturally, if you want to open your Bibles, we're going to put it on the screen, but I'm going to tell you the text that I'm going to use in a, li- in a little while. It's going to be Mark chapter 1, verse 21. So if you want to open up your Bible there, that's where we're going to be going here uh, in a little bit. But before we do that, I wanted to tell you a story. Uh, a few years ago, I was on the lake with my wife and kids. We were with some friends, and we had the, our friends had this ski boat, and my wife, Sarah, over here, is, uh, she's a good skier. She's been skiing for a while. I'll promote uh, the great skiing that she does. She gets out there, boom, the boat starts going, <laughs> goes like that. And I just watch. I'm like, man, that's so cool that, that she can do skiing like that. I, on the other hand, don't ski. And I have had, on multiple occasions, at least nine times in my life, say that with me, nine times, where people have said to me, hey, Josh, you want to try and ski? And the Lord has bestowed upon me a wisdom to where I don't feel peer pressure, I don't feel like any shame, and I say, no, I would not like to ski. But on this one particular day, this friend of ours said to me, would you like to try and ski? And, you know, I just wasn't thinking, and I said, you know what? Sarah makes it look easy. I think I'm going to give this a shot. So my friend gets out this life jacket, and he says, here you go. I want you to put on this life jacket. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, why do I got to wear a life jacket? He said, well, if you are going too fast and you hit your head on something and you get knocked out, then you'll float and we can come back and pick you up. <laughs> okay, so I put on the life jacket. I get down, I'm in the water, and the rope is, is out there, and, and I, I get holding on to the end of the rope. Hey, let me raise your hand if you've skied before. Okay, great. Raise your hand if you've tried to ski and you're going to relate to the story I'm about to tell. <laughs> All right, let's do this. So that rope comes out and I, I hold on to the end of it. Now, there is something very disconcerting, almost fear-inducing in you when you hold on to a rope that's attached to an engine. (laughs) And I could feel the power in this engine as the rope gets pulled uh, snug just a little bit, and and I'm I'm ready, and and the the one driving the boat, he's got the boat in idle, he looks back, he goes, all right, let me know when you're ready. And I'm thinking in my head, Am I ready for this? I don't know if I am because I've never tried this before. And so I'm holding on to the rope. And then suddenly, I don't know if you do this, but this is sometimes how my mind kind of works. I start having these visions. What if I was the most amazing skier who's ever lived? (laughs) What if I had this talent that I didn't know about, that I've been gifted since birth? 
What if that engine hits and that rope pulls up and I just, and I create probably the most beautiful wake you've ever seen in a lake? What if there's a skiing scout on the, on the shore watching, looking for his next act in the oceanographic ski championships and they need a skier and he sees me? With that, I yelled, I'm ready. <laughs> and the boat driver went, Rrr! now I don't know if you know this, you skiers know this. There is no in-between when it comes to skiing. <laughs> you go from idle to Rrr! to get pulled out of the water. And that's the sound that that engine made. Rrr! And in that moment, I felt the rope tighten real fast, and I felt this yank, and I remember Sarah's only instructions to me getting in the water was, let the boat do the work. <laughs> and it became really evident to me fast that this boat was going to do some work. <laughs> like, so that rope went, wah. And instantly, my dreams of being a professional skier, gone. <laughs> gone. My body shot up out of the water. How many of you know that there's skis down here? The skis are supposed to be out like this. This part and this part and this part aren't supposed to be out in front <laughs> of the skis. That's where my body was. And with the force of thunder lightning and the thunder, my cheek hit that water <laughs> like splat. But Josh Heisman will not be defeated so easily. I'm holding on to that rope. <laughs> and I had a thought in my head that I might be able to pull myself up. How many of you, give me an amen if you realize how dumb I was in this moment? Amen. Yes. So I'm holding on to this rope. And I got water shooting through my nose, circling around my brain, shooting out my ears. And I finally, not because I wanted to and had common sense or came to my senses, I was rendered into submission and my arms and hands just released like noodles off this rope. And I floated in the water and I thanked God for my life jacket. I had the biggest headache ever. And then Ron Creech circled around in his boat. <laughs> I wondered if you knew I was talking about you. And he said in his Louisiana tone, Want to go again? <laughs> and I said, No. I'm getting in the boat. Man. Does life feel like that for you sometimes? Like you're holding on to this rope and you like sometimes didn't even give the call to say, hit the engine. 
And it was like, Rrr! okay. For some of us, it starts at different times. For some of us, we get out of, of school, we finish, we graduate and whatever, and we think, oh, this is going to be great and whatever. And then life hits, Rrr! and we're like, for dear life. I said this weeks ago, for me, it was like, you know, Sarah and I got married. And I was like, this is pretty cool. Being married is cool. This is easy. People said this would be tough. And then we had kids. That first kid showed up and I was like, this is hard. Like, this is too much and stuff. Like, they actually have stuff they want to do. And you got to schedule stuff for them and whatever. And then we added some more to the mix. And then before we knew it, I'm on the rope. I'm holding on for dear life. And it's just nonstop. I had Jack and Diane up here this morning because... That's just a couple examples of common things that I, that I hear from people. And, and if you're anything like me, here's what you do. What you do is you look at your calendar and you go, man, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. Oh, there's an opening. Let's put this here. I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. Look at this opening. We'll put this here. I'm so busy, I'm so busy. Oh, but our, our kids have this and whatever, so we'll put this here and we'll put this here and then you drive them here and we'll do this there and we'll do this here and we'll do this here. And in the meanwhile, God is going, Phew. Seems pretty chaotic. Seems pretty rough. When are you going to build in rest? And the way Diane kind of responded, by the way, that her, her real name is Miranda. The way Miranda responded in that role, rest. <laughs> Do you ever respond like that? Rest? Ain't no rest for this person. I'm busy. As Pastor Mark said in the first week, it's like this badge of honor. I'm go, 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 nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. Well, how does that affect you? How do you start treating people when you go, 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 go? How do you start treating the ones you love when you go, 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 go? How do you start interacting in life in general when you just go, 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 go? We can go, 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 go so much that sometimes a pastor will get up on stage and say, hey, God built rest in to be a part of our lives. And we'll go, I don't think that's in the word. I mean, we just don't want to hear it sometimes. We think in culturally that we're just supposed to keep it going and keep filling up the calendar and keep doing all those things. When really, scripturally, God built rest into the rhythm of creation. And rest is different for each of us. Some, some of us are able to take an extended period of time, where, where, whereas the Sabbath is a 24-hour cycle. We're going to talk more about Sabbath next week. For others, it's being able to just get away and take a break that you need and just take a time to get a breather. But either way, you have to be mindful of this. Scripturally, God tells us, be mindful of this and set that time aside. Even God built it in for himself. The first day, God said, lights, and there's lights. Second day, God said, land, and there's land. God says plants, and there's plants. He says days, there's days. He says nights, there's nights. Animals, human beings, and he says it's all good, and then he, he rests. Now, he doesn't rest because God goes, whew, I am exhausted. He rests because it's the beginning of modeling for us what it looks like to say A, B, C, D, this is done, now I'm building in F-G-H, I'm building in this time where it's going to be that rest, where I stop, take a break, recharge. Now, scripturally, those who are followers of Christ, 
This is a time when recharging really needs to be recharging in him, recharging in our creator, going to Jesus with that and looking for that edification, that building up in God's word. It could be the prayer life. It could be through worship and praise music, whatever that may be. That's the recharge God wants us to do to, to kind of devote that time to him. But really, the most important thing and the idea behind this message today, what I want you to do is understand that it's all about a rhythm. It's all about a rhythm of knowing that, hey, life happens, it happens, it happens. You can put your hand over your heart right now and feel physically the rhythm to your life. You don't even give it a thought, do you? Had you even given it a thought this morning as you sit here in the pew, your heart is beating, pumping blood, circulating it, the rhythm of it, making it happen? And so we have that. God builds that into our lives. Let me show you what the definition of rhythm is. It's a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. Strong, regular, repeated movement. And what God wants us to do when he said, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, set this time apart. He says, take, take our time of rest, take it, and then set it apart. Protect it. Now, we feel guilty from time to time doing that, don't we? We do. I'll tell you, for me personally, as the pastor of this church, Friday is the official office closed day here at New Hope. Friday is, is the time that, that I take. I'm, I'm hanging out usually with Alyssa. Our other kids are in school. Sarah goes and gets, gets her things done, what she needs to do. And it's me and Alyssa. We're hanging out. And so like I try to protect that time. Unless it's like an extreme emergency I, I, where I'm going, hey, not answering the phone, not, not doing texts, not doing any of this stuff. Like this is just because, not because it's a Josh thing, but just because it's God built this into our lives and this is how we're supposed to do it. I don't, I'm not successful at it all the time. I'll just be honest. But I definitely do my very best to protect it. And that's a question that I'm going to have for you later. Do you have a time that you protect? Do you have a rest that you protect and you say, okay, this is a time, and I'm going to encourage you as a pastor, this is a time that I spend with the Lord. This is a time where I just set it aside and I bring focus to Him. That's such an important thing. God modeled it in the very beginning. He created it. And then Jesus comes along later on, and this is really the greatest example. Jesus models it even more. Jesus took times of rest, and that's what I want to focus on today. So I'm going to read to you from Mark chapter 1, verse 21 through 35, 36. We'll, just, we'll, see, we'll see where we go, see how far I go into this whole thing. We're going to examine a way that Jesus lived his life. So I'm, especially during ministry, so I'm going to read this text and then we're going to go back kind of over it a little bit and I'm going to see if you pick up on some things and I'll try to point out a couple things and we'll go there. So first, verse 21, chapter 1, they went to Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and he was teaching and they, the people, were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know, you are, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, 
saying, be silent and come out of him. The unclean spirit left, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, come out of him. They were all amazed. So the unclean spirit comes out. All the people were amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Let me stop there for a second. Verse 28, at once his fame spread everywhere throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Go with me real quick on this, and we're going to hang right there in the scripture. So Jesus comes in his ministry. Scholars pretty much have come to a place where they agree. About three years of a ministry that Jesus has. Starts when he's 30 years old, just about in that area. And he goes till where the crucifixion happens when he's about 33 years old. So we have this time of Jesus here where he's walking and he's in ministry. Three years. That's what he's got. He goes here and he's teaching at a synagogue. He's in Capernaum. Capernaum is a nice, uh, good-sized town. Uh, good things are happening. And it was big enough. This is where Peter's home is, his disciple. It's almost like a hometown for Jesus. This is their, their home base, okay? So they're there. And Jesus is teaching in the synagogue because he's been invited by the local uh, synagogue leader, there to, to teach. This is a custom that could happen. You could be invited to teach there. So that's what Jesus is doing. When he does this miracle and the unclean spirit is taking out, taken out, it says immediately his fame rises. He's big time. So he knew he was the son of God the whole time, but now we have a situation where this miracle is taking place and people are paying attention to this miracle. Let me put it in layman's terms. He's a hot commodity. People want to get to him. People want to fill up his schedule. People want to make sure they have time with Jesus. So now we go to verse 29. So immediately after healing, or doing this miracle, he leaves the synagogue and he enters the house of Simon, because it's Peter's hometown, and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him, Jesus, about her. And he came back and took her by the hand and he lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. So he's taught at the synagogue. He does this miracle here. Fame starts spreading about him. He goes to Simon's mother-in-law is there and, and he does this healing. She's healed of this fever there. Verse 32, that evening at sundown, so the sun's coming down on his day, they brought him, Jesus, they brought him all who were sick and oppressed. So he's hanging out in the house. He's, he's preached that day. He's done some miracles. He's done some healing. But verse 33 says this, And the whole city was gathered together at the door. How many? Five or ten? The whole city was at his door waiting for him. So what did he do? Verse 34, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and he cast out many demons and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So he starts his day. By the way, at the beginning of the scripture, I want to point this out. So he's on the Sabbath day at the synagogue. Where is he on his Sabbath, his day of rest? He goes to church. 
He goes to church, and as I mentioned before, he's invited because it was a custom there that if, if there's a synagogue there, you could have a special guest teacher or preacher, someone who's, who's known. And so he's asked to share some words, and Jesus does that. And then he has a situation of the unclean spirit. He does a miracle. And then they leave church, and they do what we are most of us going to do after this is they go and have lunch. They go to the house where the mother-in-law is there, but the mother-in-law is not feeling well. And so Jesus goes, well, I need to eat. So actually, he takes care of her. She's healed, and she, the Bible says she gets up, and she starts caring and taking care of the things that need to be done. And, and so that happens there. But then as they're in the house, and he's had a busy day, what it sounds like so far, the whole city gathers around outside the house because they need some Jesus time. They need to be with him there. So what does he do? On this Sabbath day of rest, he goes out and he begins healing more. He begins casting out demons. He begins, anyone who has a need for prayer, he goes around and he's laying hands on them. Once again, let's go back. How many years does Jesus have of ministry? About three years. This is a nonstop thing. Sometimes when I read scripture and I read stories of times when Jesus was healing and this person here was healed and this person here was healed, do you ever think about the ones who maybe didn't get the touch? You ever think about the ones that went, well, what about my time with Jesus? Certainly, he's only got three years. He doesn't need to sleep. Certainly, there's better things that he can do with his time than rest. I mean, can you think about the pressure that Jesus must have had as he was going through life, knowing the mission that he was on, and thinking, should I really stop? So the next verse there, in verse 35, so here's what he does. He rests. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed. And he went to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Now, Scripture has many times in the gospel where we have situations of Jesus breaking away, going by himself, going off, spending time to be alone with God and to pray, to kind of have this recharging take place. Uh, when, when we think about Jesus, we think about this, this Superman character who can just go and go and go, and it's Jesus, and it's amazing. But Jesus talks about power leaving him and, and energy going out. Jesus, Jesus had human flesh. I mean, in the situation where the woman touched the hem of his garment, what is the thing that he says when she's healed? He says, power just went out of me. He felt this taking place. I mean, he, he had this situation where he knew he needed to take times of rest. But weighing that up against the mission and the call that was on his life of what he needed to do as Savior in this short three-year ministry, I mean, imagine the pressure. Could you handle it? Knowing the business that needs to be taken care of before... And yet here, he rises early in the morning. He goes out while it was still dark. He departs. He goes to a desolate place. So here's the rhythm that we see in Jesus' life. And if you look in Scripture and you just read the Gospels kind of straight through, let's say you go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you'll see this pop up at various times. You'll see a situation where Jesus will start and he's teaching and he's preaching. Maybe it starts in the morning 
whatever it may be. And then after teaching and preaching, you'll see that a situation arises. Usually, or not usually, but sometimes it'll be a, a demon or an unclean spirit or whatever it may be will pop up because once Jesus' voice starts going, the devil can't handle that, unclean spirits can't handle that, and they start getting roused up. So then there's a confrontation that happens there, and Jesus does a miracle. Teaching, preaching, miracle. Then you have situations where a crowd gets kind of excited. This guy has authority. This guy can do stuff that nobody else can do. He may be the Lord. He may be the Messiah. And then there's, there's, there's kind of a, a frantic thing going on in crowds. And, and then they, they start bringing them their, those who need healing and those who are sick. And so he starts healing and he starts doing all this work. So you have Jesus teaching, preaching, miracles, healing. And as that's going on, I go back to that, and there had to be just in that flesh deal, I'm telling you, just being surrounded by people and all those different things where his energy just kind of is going on, and I'm sure he's trying and doing the best that he can, but he feels that going out, and so what Jesus does is then he sets aside this time for rest. So teaching, preaching, miracles, healing, rest. Teaching, preaching, miracles, healing, rest. And we see Jesus, after these amazing miracles, going off by himself and spending that time alone with the Lord and recharging. Now, in some cases in Scripture, as you go through these in the Gospels, what you'll read is you'll see where it says when Jesus goes and does that, it'll say, and the disciples were looking for him. And they were trying to track him down. They wanted to know where he was. Does this guy think we got time for breaks? Doesn't he know how busy we are? Doesn't he know that if we stop and do this over here, then this person over here is not going to get what they need? That last one wasn't in Scripture. That's my own words. But So there was that pressure there. And, and you don't have to shout amen at this, but listen, there are going to be times... When you try to build in rest into your life as a rhythm, that others will come along and start telling you, you need to not do that. You can't do that. You can't stop. You got to keep going. You got to keep going. But what I'm saying is for your spiritual self, Scripture clearly says, set aside time to just rest. Put that as a rhythm into your life. It's different for each of us. God creates us each in a different way, so we know what we need. We know what builds up. We know what drains. And that's such an important thing that I want you to hear. Because each of you know, and I know what it is for me, you know what it is for you. You have things that, that build you up. You have things that just get you, yeah. And then you have things that drain. You have things that go, okay, now I need, I need a break. And so be mindful of where you build those things into the rhythm of your life. And remember that God created you to have a rhythm in your life. And I'll just keep saying it again. As a pastor, the, one of the main things of the rhythm that needs to be built in is our time with the Lord. Our time of building up there. My wife has said this to me before. I've said this from the stage and whatever. Even when times when you're feeling down, sometimes that rest can be putting on praise music, a worship song, whatever it may be. Something that just totally... Uh, speaks to your spirit and is that rest time uh, in the Lord. Some of these songs that we've been doing in this rest area series for us as worship leaders come straight from being in, in the car alone with God, just having rest and just singing worship. 
closing your eyes when you're at home and having a song on it, just what does, what does God speak to you in your spirit through that? I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff, that's taking that breath and getting in sync with God on that. So I want to look at verse 32 through 35 again. That evening, at sundown, they, were, they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases. He cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And then he rested. And then he set aside time early in the morning to rest. It became the strong, regular, repeated movement of his life. We're talking about the Messiah. God became flesh and followed this rhythm. It was important. It was the recharge. It was filling this engine that needed to be there. And then what can happen is, because we all have good intentions, we come along and we think, well, there has to be a better way. I need to keep going. Maybe we even say, if I don't do it, who would do it? And then before we know it, we stay in that and we make that our rhythm. And we don't put rest in it. And what happens is, like a candle that burns nonstop, eventually the wick comes to an end. We can't take it. So when we had this little sit down here and I had Jack and Diane and we were talking and I said the question twice, how does that affect you? How does it affect you? Well, the truth is, the answer is that there's some mornings that I wake up and I just don't want to get out of bed. The truth is that there's sometimes I, I just get up and it seems like everything is going wrong. It feels like I can't handle anything else. The truth is, I feel like I got to make this phone call, and I got to do this email, and I got to do this. Now, I'm not talking about myself here, because I don't have these problems. But I'm saying, if we're all not careful, this is what happens. But I do it for ministry. Ah, that's the ticket. I do it for the Lord. And that's a noble thing. It's great. We do all our things for the Lord. We care for our families. We should do it for the glory of the Lord. We care for, we do our jobs for the glory of the Lord. We do all those things. So yes, that is a very noble thing. But if you're doing it for the Lord, then as we said here, then follow what the Lord says. Because even the Lord took a break. He took a moment where he took a rest and he took a breath there. So I just wanted us to look this morning at Jesus as just that ultimate example. Spend that time on your own. Now, this isn't in every case but of how this rhythm is built in, but, but for me, as I read it, I just thought to myself, teaching, preaching, miracles, healing, and then you rest. And then I read another story of, of a miracle Jesus did. Well, he started off teaching, and then there was miracles, and he healed, and then he rested. And then Jesus wanted to teach this to his uh, disciples. This is pretty cool. Watch this. In Mark chapter... Um, one, no, Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 33, he says this. 
So the the apostles returned to Jesus and they told him what they had done and what they had taught. So Jesus sends out the apostles for this event where they they go out and he wants them to teach and he wants them to share the word and all these things. And they they return back to him and they're going to deliver what they've done. So they return. He says to them, come away by yourselves now to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure to even eat. So Jesus said, okay, I wanna, I'm modeling this for you. I want to teach you. This is how I do it. Here's how I want you to do it. You went off. You were teaching. You were doing your thing, whatever. Now you've come back here. So we're going to go to a desolate place because that's what I do. And now we're going to rest. Maybe we'll spend some time praying, whatever it may be. That's what we're going to do. We're going to build that rest in. So in verse 32, they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Great. The plan's going well. But verse 33 Now many saw them going, though, and they recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns, and they got there ahead of them. I just share that to say there's always going to be something pulling at you. And I can't stand up here and say that I'm in the same boat as as you might be. You might not be in the same boat that I am in however life takes us. All I'm saying is this, is that Jesus right here is teaching his disciples, here's what we're going to do. And yet there's always people grasping and pulling and grasping and pulling. So we need to be ever more diligent in protecting that time. First, we schedule that time. We make it part of our rhythm. And then once it's there, we protect it. That becomes such an important thing. Let's follow the example of Jesus. I found an anonymous quote. Check this one out. It's pretty neat. Someone once said, I used to say that the devil never takes a vacation, so why should I? But I also never stopped to think that maybe the devil doesn't provide the best example of how to live my life. (laughs) Maybe Jesus does. So to close this out, if God created it, if Jesus modeled it, then let's follow it. Maybe today, it's just taking a breath, going home and looking at your schedule and going, okay, where do we build rest into the rhythm of life? And when it comes for that little time of rest of just to take a break, whenever that comes, then just breathe. Spend some time in the Word. Where do I start in the Word? Uh, Go to John chapter 1. Just start, maybe read a chapter. And just pray. Well, I don't know what I should say in my prayer. Maybe just pray this. God, I'm just here. Speak to my heart. What do you need? I just want to be here with you. Just maybe spend some time in silence, whatever it may be. Those are little places that you could start. Thank you for listening. For more information and additional resources, visit our website at newhopechurchtn.org. Also check us out on Facebook, iTunes, Instagram, and Twitter.